Hello and welcome to episode 23 of The Edge Backstage Pass, the weekly podcast from the Tuesday night show at the London comedy store, The Edge. Tuesday the 7th of July marks 30 years since The Edge first took over the Tuesday nights at the store, and to make the best of our lockdown birthday, we invited the show's producer and original founder, John Connor, to join us, and he brought with him an old mate, the fabulous Joe Brand. Under Joe's charming influence, the discussion was long and wide-ranging with some really important points made and plenty of silliness. We've left as much of the chat here as we could and even dropped the live section for this week so as not to deprive you of any moment of what went on. Apologies for the sound on John's mic. Even birthday parties can have technical gremlins. Enjoy. Hi, I'm John Connor. I created The Edge in 1990. I was a former theatre comedy critic and managed to convince a load of comics to try a new thing out, which is topical comedy regularly at the store. 30 years later, we'd still be doing it if something topical hadn't come along and destroyed the show. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. I did. I think I started The Edge in about 1996, seven, something like that. And then I did it for a while and then I couldn't handle the pressure. <laughs> so I left for five years because it was all too much for me and then um i and then i came back and i've been doing it ever since hello i'm abigail shaman and i started doing the edge in 2019 uh january because my resolution that year was to uh stop stressing uh on social media and focus on important things like current events so now i stress about that <laughs> and hello uh, my name's joe brand i don't really um remember when i started um doing the edge uh, but it was sometime in the 1990s and i think i didn't um, properly commit myself to it at the time because i just found the idea of having to come up with so much funny stuff so regularly it's quite stressful. So I probably done it. I did it quite a few times. I'm sure I did it with you, Ian. So yes. we must have crossed over a few yeah. times. Yeah, but, I believe um, we did actually. And then you came back actually late on and did one, didn't you? And we were in, I remember doing it about four years ago or something like that. I think oh, five years. 25th anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Must have been pissed because I don't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's weird because it was like not so long ago. But yeah, there we go. Anyway, so I do remember enjoying it. It was like really good fun. Good stuff. So should we just talk about breaking stories for a bit? Did anyone go to the pub on Saturday? Why yeah. would you? Why would anyone go to the pub on Saturday to be with people who want to go to the pub on Saturday? What possible reason? The only reason yeah. I'd have gone to the pub on Saturday is if there was a gig and I could have done it. <laughs> But that, no, no way. Three months ago when I would go to the pub, I was never really a Saturday pub girl. I was more like a Monday afternoon pub girl. But did you guys hear that they've already shut down three pubs Great. and opted to shut down because of coronavirus outbreaks uh, in just one weekend? Just one weekend. There are a lot of pubs in the country. I thought three was relatively yeah. little. <laughs> and I have to say my favorite headline of the weekend uh, was on the BBC website. Just want to get this right. Crystal clear, drunk people will not socially distance. <laughs> well, I mean, I how know. many people could have... Mind you, did you see Old Compton Street? When often when, when I come and do the comedy store, in between shows, I go and have a coffee at Bar Italia, and there's Old Compton Street, and they and there obviously were about 500,000 young people all squashed into one street. But they were saying that inside the bars, it was actually quite 
socially distanced. People were sitting at tables between screens. So it looked, I think it looked worse than it was, to be honest. I guess we'll find out in a couple of weeks, won't we? When the spike happens. Yeah, absolutely. When well, it's locked down again. Yay, all over yeah. the country. Well, they have locked down. They've just locked down in, in Australia, haven't they? They locked down in Melbourne or state of Victoria. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think it's over. Texas locking down. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Leicester locked down, didn't they? They're essentially yeah. locking down locking down the towns with the most sweatshops, right? Is that how it works? <laughs> essentially. I, I think it was meat factories and also... Um, the clothes, you know, the, the, the clothes manufacturers, but yes, oh, yeah. the, yeah. the, how comes you can get a dress for eight quid? Well, because yeah. there's 400 poor women stuck in a sweatshop getting coronavirus, <laughs> which is not the tagline oh. they went with in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. amazed with how many of you are so on top of the news, more so than you were in the old days. Is this, John, is this you getting grumpy that people are doing the show better now that the show's not on? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like, John, we I have like a lot of that time. I sort of uh, approach to the world, John. But someone <laughs> does something well and it pisses you off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got a lot of time on our hands, John, to be fair. I mean, I'm, I try not to watch too much news, but there's yeah. a lot of, it, lot of it around, isn't there? I mean, this is the ironic thing about not being able to do the show, is that there's more news now than there's ever been. I mean, we've got bubonic plague coming, apparently. We were looking forward to that one. That's in China oh, yeah. as well, wasn't it? Mongolia. Inner Mongolia. It is treatable by antibiotics, I believe. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Like when that came out that the bubonic plague was found in Mongolia, it I did wonder. I was like, well, is it there always a couple cases every year? We just don't hear about it because yes. we're not yeah. usually in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Like people are like, get ready for the plague. And I'm like, I don't think that one's coming back. Yeah. I think we yeah. I think we took care of that one. Yeah, you're right. There are there are cases. I think four people have died in America in the last five years of bubonic plague. Yeah. So it's not, it's not completely unheard of. It just, on top of everything else, it just feels a little bit like, all right, enough already, will you? Yeah. But also, it doesn't really. sound like it's spreading very quickly. No, no. <laughs> Four people. That's not a good record, is it? If no. you're a plague. We... <laughs> It's really the shittest plague it's possible. Coronavirus is going, oh, I'll show you. Yeah, that's to you. <laughs> You're useless. Bubonic plague's like, back in the day, I used to be something. People used to fear me. Now it's different. But let me tell you, I used to run every country. I killed everyone. Is that the rats, by the way, bubonic plague? Yeah, that's the rat one. They killed a third of the world's population when it came in, whenever it was, the 1400s. Right. And they played the Chinese for that one as well. But they didn't have um, antibiotics at that time, did they? No, uh, no, they did have antibiotics until the Second World War. John's really um, much older news now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really topical at this point. <laughs> it's true. I know, I mean, it is amazing to think that at the end of all this year, this horrible year, Brexit is happening. It's not even the worst fucking thing that's going to yeah. happen to us this year. Yeah. I know, as if we weren't bad enough. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, was this meant to be funny? <laughs> <laughs>
you've, you've turned up in a certain moody and I accept that. <laughs> yeah. We have to laugh unless we will cry. I feel like Brexit is just starting to get a little bit more news coverage, but I mean, I haven't seen much about it until like the last couple weeks. I mean, am I wrong that they still don't have a plan for leaving? Have I? No, they don't. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. It's the three of them in Downing Street that are deciding everything. Gove, Cummings and Boris, and they don't let anybody else in. Yeah. And Brexit is going to happen. They might not be queues uh, of transports trying to get into the country because most of the drivers will be dead, so that's a problem solved. <laughs> well, basically, the more they fuck it up, the better, really, because, um, you know, I think people are already starting to think, oh, my God, why did I vote Brexit as a protest vote, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of people, well, I don't know what will happen about that, but let's just hope everyone, apart from about 17 people that are in the BNP, have changed their minds by the end of the year. <laughs> you never know. But yeah, even but if the public changes their mind at this point, is it too late to take yeah. it back? Well, yeah. for a bit, yeah. This is now just Teach Abby about Brexit podcast, by the way, because I haven't <laughs> focused on Brexit. <laughs> We just went past the date where um, where we could renegotiate an ending if we didn't have a deal. So yeah. come 30th of December, I think, we are leaving with or without a deal, which is what Cummings and Gove and Boris wanted in the first yeah, place. Yeah, but the next election, if the, a Labour government get in, we can change our minds, can't we? We could have another Only referendum. Only if the EC let us back in and then they might not or they'll, it'll be a horrible negotiation. Well, I yeah. do think they hate us, but I think it's sort of a love-hate thing. They quite like us to come back in, I think. Yeah. yeah. Just killed off a few of the worst ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, we could selectively just kill off all the people who went to Weatherspoons on Saturday morning. <laughs> Not that I'm having a go at spoons, no, but but I was in Hartlepool about two years ago. I don't know if anyone has been to Hartlepool. Has anyone been to Hartlepool? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I've yeah. missed that one. I tell you, I mean, that was really the, the grimmest thing I've ever seen. I mean, it was a, a central street. All the shops were boarded up except for the Weatherspoons, which was busy at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. I was looking for breakfast and you could see some guys there who are definitely not on their first pint. And I thought, oh. I'll tell oh. you, as a comic, the worst thing you can do in Hartlepool is bring up the story of them hanging the monkey. I don't like that. I don't like that. What? In, 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 uh, in the, um, the, what was it? The Napoleonic Wars, basically. Yeah. They captured a ship off Hartlepool and there was either a monkey or a chimpanzee on board. And... They thought it was a spy, so the people of Hartlepool took it to shore and, and hanged it. Mm -hmm. True, which is why yeah. they're known as monkey hangers in Hartlepool. <laughs> really? That's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but a few years ago, somebody stood for mayor of Hartlepool as a monkey and won. That's true as well. I am tired of British people telling me that Americans are nuts. All you have to do is go past the surface and you people are no better than us. Yeah, we're just unarmed is the only difference. Yeah, that's the one thing. You're just not doing it with a pistol. I mean, I've been reading, so I've been watching a lot of news. Donald Trump, Abigail, what? I mean, what? I didn't do it. I'm I not the you, ambassador. I know you but, didn't okay, do what, it. Okay, what, what, what's the question? What's how the question? did it come to this? How did you end up 
with an infant in charge of the country? I don't know exactly. <laughs> uh, this, this is a problem. With, so I lived in New York City for 10 years, hashtag brag, uh, um, before I moved to London. And New York is not the rest of the country. No, so it's no. not like I had my finger on the pulse. Yeah, but, it's Jewish homosexuals in New York, isn't it? Yeah, all yeah. the fun people. Yeah. And uh, so, I, I mean, I don't know, other than like, there's this demographic of people who saw the world changing and becoming more inclusive and, and more, yeah, yeah, just inclusive. And they didn't and, like it. And they thought it threatened their rights, you know? Yeah. And, but I mean, give it another six months and they'll all be dead from coronavirus in America and then the election. So, yeah. yeah. Did yep. you guys see the 4th of July thing yes. in front of Mount yes. Mount yes. It was insane. Yeah, it was insane. It, it, it didn't have, like, there was no, it was like, it was like the most ill-timed, cringy party. Oh, it's so, it's so weird. Yeah, I know. But you know what? The point about the news at the moment, that happened on the 4th of July. And you think yeah. that is the weirdest thing that could possibly happen. And then the next day, Kanye West said he was running for president. This is a good point. Yeah. And I thought... Well, wait, he can't, he can't run for president this year. Unless he's going to be... I'm turning that off. That's Kanye ringing you. To yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's in with the pals. <laughs> but Kanye... And you know what's going to happen if he does run? He's going to take the black in. vote. From well, he or he'll take the black vote from Joe Biden and Donald Trump gets another term. I don't because, know about really? that. I we can't know. get on the elections. Oh, can he not? I, you have to register yourself a certain amount of time before the elections be on the, the election. Yeah, oh, but when is that time? Well, he, you, but, oh, months ago. All oh, right. I'm pretty sure he's missed it. I'm sort the of relieved, aren't you? Well, Ed, I just, I don't want another circus. And Kanye is, Kanye's going to bring the, the flair. He's not going to bring the policy. So, no. I mean, I think, and that's another thing. When Trump ran four years ago, everyone, even the liberals, all kind of got a kick out of it because no one thought it was going to happen. Well, no one on my side of the table thought it actually happened. And then it did. I don't think Kanye would take uh, the black vote from Biden. He might, but I I think um, because he is he him and Kim have worked already with this White House doing some prison yeah. reform, which is actually they they've accomplished some really positive stuff, yeah, and, yeah. which is very strange to say Whatever. about Kim and Kanye. So he's already outed himself as a Republican. So if he ran, he if if Trump still ran and Kanye could get into the race, he would have to run as an independent because the GOP already have their candidate. That's the sitting president. So he unless would Trump run brought Kanye, unless Trump brought Kanye in his vice president. There is what no is way that Donald Trump would have a black man on the ticket. Right, right. Even if it wasn't Trump, it would be all these yeah. white, racist, white power supporters. They yeah. wouldn't have it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they no. wouldn't have it. According to the internet, there are still some states who, for whom the deadline has not passed. 
So Kanye could still technically run for president this time. Yeah. Well, in some states. According to an article in Elle magazine, which I appeared yeah. in. <laughs> 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 well, that, that's where I get most of my political news. I'll be honest with you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's I can't believe that magazines are still going. Can you, by the way? Who reads magazines? I do. Oh, do you? I do. Yeah, I do. What do you read? Uh, I read The Week. And I read oh, yeah. The Economist. Yeah, oh, yeah, um, you know, I don't, I don't like reading stuff online. No. Because like, if you want to go back to an article you've read just to check something quickly, it takes a lot longer on a you know, computer screen than yeah. it does holding something up and going, oh, there it is. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I it's absorb more than when I read something on paper, I like take in the information more. Whereas if I'm scrolling, it's just like, uh, I know, you know. endless. Uh, isn't yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I've been doing for the last 13 weeks. Scrolling. <laughs> about. I'm just thinking, wouldn't it be kind of who, who could we choose as a third really disturbed person to join them in their crusade to lead America? Um, I'm thinking... I mean, what serial killers have they got going, do you think? <laughs> I mean, you know. Golden State Killer, Golden State Killer finally confessed to like 103-something murders and rapes. Anyway. Excuse me. Uh, Harold we Shipman, could, we, could we win this one. Oh, oh there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise would be a good one. Yeah. I, Tom I like, Cruise is fairly normal, I think. Yeah. It? Tom Cruise is an interesting choice. You're talking about the Scientology here, I'm guessing. Yeah, he's really. got the Scientology vote. They're very powerful people in Hollywood. Are they? Oh, the commercials. Supposedly. I don't really know. I don't spend a lot of time in Hollywood. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> whenever a uh, there was a big time whenever a uh, TV show kind of like spoke out and made fun of them they would slap them with yeah. I think defamation suits and all yeah. that like they're just kind of oh, they chase there. people around as well yeah has anyone taken the test I took the test no you walk along Good Street, just near... Oh, just, Court Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there yeah. used to be a little office just by the station, and they lured me in. I had a half an hour to spare, and I took the test. Apparently, I need Scientology. Couldn't <laughs> believe it. I thought it was all right. Yeah, it's about 500 questions about your personality. I sort of quite uh, like doing them, to be honest with you. Yeah. Wow. Do you go there once a week just for some company? Yeah, Are yeah, you like, you know again. what? <laughs> yeah. The guy invented, well not invented, what would you call it, that came up with Scientology. L. Ron, L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, he, his mum was very disturbed. I don't know if you've heard of her. Old mother. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like a steam train was coming towards us. I know. <laughs> That's dedicated to my dad, who, who loved a joke like that. Oh, he, I love it. Well, dads do love jokes like yeah, that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Gary Lineker, the other day, when Kanye said he was running for the White House, said it's Kanye West Wing. Hey. And I, knew, hey. I knew how pleased he was. You could see him. <laughs> he came up with it, and I imagine he punched the air with I'm going to put that on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> for a while, Kevin Day used to write jokes. Or back, in the, back in the day, Kevin used to write jokes. Oh, for Gary, not for like L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> <laughs> he started the show. He was one of the original yeah. members. So who who were the original members? It was Richard Morton and I saw the picture. Richard no, Morton, Nick Rebel. Bob Boynton. 
uh, Kevin and Mark. And oh, yeah, we just started with five, I think. It's a very white male bill, isn't it? Don't you think? It was. Comedy, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I did ask Joan first, and she turned me down. You were asking woman, me but... for sex. I obviously didn't hear you properly, John. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. Do you know any of these people we're talking about? No. no. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know too much about The Edge when I asked to audition about it. I just knew it was on a Tuesday, and it paid some money. Well, and I was like, that sounds like a great show to do. <laughs> so I auditioned for it. And literally everyone was like, it's the hardest thing in comedy you can ever do. <laughs> but I, uh, uh, I didn't know that going in. So I was quite blissfully unaware. And I found too, if you don't have anything too funny to say, you just talk until you run out of air and then Ian will just make a fun, say something funny right after you in one line yeah. and you just sit there like you did it. Absolutely. You did. I always feel that the, the feed line is, is a bit sort of, I don't know, unrewarded, don't you think? You know the times <laughs> when you set up someone and they finish it and they get a big laugh and you go, yeah, I, I, that was, I did that. <laughs> I helped. I helped. That, that's part of what makes The Edge fun now, I think, is that we, yeah. we really play. When you did it, Joe, was it competitive or was it, you know, a bit well, sort it of... Wasn't, it wasn't as competitive as many other things I could name, to yeah. be, you know. Um, so I, I found that, I mean, I enjoyed it from what I remember. As I said, I've got quite a poor memory. I may have hated it, but I didn't think <laughs> I think it was like it was good. It was good fun, and it and it wasn't that competitive from what I remember. No, it got into a bit of a competitive mode for a while, didn't it? Yeah. In the in the early two thousands, perhaps, and around that time when it was packed out. But I like I like the fact that I can piss about with people on stage. I mean, it's just the most fun. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And when I started doing it, people told me that it was very competitive. And there's all these rumors about how people are assholes in the green room. Really? And I walked in. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I walked in and I, I've never felt so supported on stage by people. But I think it can be overwhelming if you're... She didn't specifically you, say they were not arseholes in the dress room if you look at what she said. But on stage, everyone's really nice. No, but if you think about it, like, when did you say you started? Do, you started doing it in the 90s, right, Ian? Yeah. yeah so no, you and, that. and that whole crew have been working together for... 20 years so if you yeah. walk in as a new person there's a familiar familiarity that's a hard way to say but uh among everyone in a camaraderie and you just don't have that yet so you yeah. so it can be a little like oh i'm on the outside but it but everyone i don't know i found everyone really embraced me and i have a nice time doing the show and did i mention it pays well on a tuesday big fan of that we should start doing it again. We should start doing this on a Tuesday for money. I liked it when it was for money better. Wasn't that fun? Wasn't it was that great. fun? Yeah, I, and we're going to get a package of relief, aren't we? Ramesh, oh, yeah. essentially, Ramesh wrote an article in the Sunday papers saying help comedy and help theatre. And the next day, Rishi Sunak came up with one and a half billion quid. I'm really impressed with his power of getting yeah. things done. But are we going to get any of that? We don't know, do we? Are we well, who, who decides who 
you know, how much goes to whom, as it were. Oh, uh, I think Judy oh, Dench. Dench. Houghton's probably. Did you say Judy Dench? <laughs> Judy Dench no, decides. <laughs> <laughs> She's Judy thinking Dench about it now. And Sir Ian McKellen. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be fine. It'll just be theatre people then. That's a really good well, suggestion that we should send to them, yeah. Who does decide, though? That is a perfectly fair question. I well, don't actually know who decides. I presume it's the Arts Council. The Arts yeah. Council. Which is dominated by right of centre people, so it all goes in. Is it? I should the think Arts so Council? these days. It sounds yeah. like the most left-wing thing yeah, still it? left, the Arts Council. I'm like, yeah. what? When did this happen, this right-wing coup? I've got, I've got an article on L yeah. on it here. We can look online. <laughs> I reckon. I think they all get appointed by the government in the right. end. So the government's been mostly Tory for a long time. But they don't. They don't recognise comedy, do they? As a as a as something that Awful. needs funding. We're almost. Why is that? Why is that happening? Do we know? Nobody that? kind of recognised comedy as an art form. When I started writing about it as a critic, it was a massive fight. None of the papers, the Guardian, the Independent, at all, would write about it in the early 90s, and it took me ages to get them to. And then they started writing about it, and fucking use me. Typical. <laughs> oh. Yeah, John. I, I don't um, think a lot of people really kind of do understand comedy. I mean, I can remember comparing at the Red Rose a long time ago again, and um, this guy came up to me afterwards, and he said... Um, do you, do, you, do you do this very often? And I said, oh, well, now and again. And he said, you have to do other stuff as well. And I went, well, like, what do you mean? And he went, do you have to collect glasses and wash up? And I went, no one the fucking can't. I don't know what that is. And he had no idea. And I think because it was a woman doing it, he thought I kind of doubled up as the cleaner. And, and, wow. and, I, and I put the pies in the oven, you know, so... Yeah. <laughs> I don't think people, unless they go to comedy, they don't know anything about it, really. But loads of people now, if you think about the big gigs that people go and see, Mickey Flanagan playing the O2 and Michael McIntyre, everyone's been, surely. So they must understand the basic idea. People only see like the big comics like McIntyre and Mickey Flanagan. Uh, who they they all think kind of live in castles on their own island. <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah. I don't. They don't understand what's underneath. They don't no, understand they don't the, understand the growth to that point. No. At all, I don't think. Wow. Well, how thick yeah. is that? Well, let's talk about. Yeah, let's talk about thick, shall we? I mean, you know, <laughs> I I think what well in a way most people don't know what most other people's jobs involve, do they? Even that's, quite that's a good point. Um, and I, and I think it's really ironic, and I was reading this the other day, that um, the people that have got us through this COVID hell are all the worst paid people in the country. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, Unskilled um, in a lot of cases, as we used to call no them. respect for them whatsoever, financially or, you know. Do you think that will change, though? I mean, no. not with this government particularly, I, but... Well, I, I wish it would. I just don't... I think people... I think people are beginning to see bin people as important. And the people who make sandwiches for you and bring food to people who can't move out there, suddenly they are becoming important. Yeah. 
they were before. Yeah, no, I agree. You said earlier, Joe, something about um, a Labour government. Do you think that's uh, becoming a reality with Mr Starmer? Well, I I do, because I think the problem, well, among other things, and I must be careful what I say, because I tend to have a massive gob on me and it gets me into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that the Labour Party with Jeremy Corbyn were always unrealistic about how much support they had in the country. And they were sort of bathed in the warm light of, of... members support because 300,000 people joined the Labour Party, new people, and they're mainly students. And they were kind of carried along on a, on a wave of rejoicing. But what they didn't realise was that everyone else in the country, as things progressed, and they looked at Corbyn's performance in, in the House of Commons and that sort of thing, just had no faith in him, really. No, no. And, you didn't. You just didn't see him enough, uh, I don't think. And when you did see him, he didn't really say the right thing a lot of the time. Um, and I mean, I I totally agreed with a lot of his policies. We all did. It's not about that. It's about playing the PR game and convincing people who are middle of the road, quite a big grey group who can go one way or the other, to go your way. And, and I'm surprised that they just weren't a bit more sophisticated about it, to be honest. Yeah, but it's not just the leadership, it's the support as well. I mean, Jeremy Clarkson said yesterday he thinks he could vote for Keir Starmer. And there were people on the left of the Labour Party going, who wants his vote? And I thought, well, I'll take it if yeah, that means yeah. we can win. And it, also, it's that thinking, I think, on the left of the Labour Party. I... I went to a couple of conferences when Jeremy was in charge. I mean, I don't want to use the word cult, but that's sort of what it... I mean, it was the nearest thing I felt since I was into the Jewish thing when I was a kid, the whole synagogue and God thing. And it felt like that. It felt like a little mini religion that was going on. And it wasn't like that outside the hall. And I thought, we are fucked. (laughs) I don't want to... Oh, man, this is difficult for me. But it does. You can feel, do it. No, but it does feel a little bit like the left of the Labour Party are a little bit obsessed with Israel. I'm not. I always have to qualify this by saying what Israel is doing in the occupied territories is disgusting. I genuinely think it is. The IDF, they're awful. These settlers and the rest of it. But you know what? I don't see the Labour Party conference, or I didn't in a, a couple of years ago, getting all excised about the Uyghur, the Uyghurs in in China who are being mm. persecuted yeah. and castrated and all the rest of it. It just it seems a lot about Palestine, and and I wonder if it if it turns people off a little bit, stuff like that. If you're just, well, I, I think it think it does, and it, it's because it's got a history, and it sort of goes back to student politics. That's what it. And feels I think like. a lot of middle of the road people feel that um, Corbyn and, and that group are kind of stuck in their student days, and they haven't really moved on. Now, whether mm. that's true or not, that's the impression that they given that is a real problem for them i think perception isn't it it's all about yeah, perception and it that's really what it, is that's what it looks like and well Abigail, yeah. do okay. you think that we are i mean i don't know how you view it from the outside do you think we're sort of a, quite a conservative country or is it difficult for you to judge Ooh. being surrounded by <clears throat> you know artists i mean where is that in? i don't I, know I, she didn't notice <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I would say American politics, like when it comes to human rights, like talking about like abortion laws and stuff like that, America's uh, politics are way more conservative because those are issues we vote on, where yeah. I feel like over here, people are like, do whatever you want. Uh, as, as Simon knows, I, uh, uh, I'm in London now, but I've gotten to spend uh, three whole months in the land of Cornwall, uh, talking to the lovely Cornish people who are not city people. And it was like going back to Kentucky. Oh my God, I love a friendly racist. Oh my God, I mean, you know, because there's nothing wrong with them. I just don't like them. And uh, so, I mean, I think think there is, uh, I I mean, I think there is very conservative people over here, but I I don't think people are as vocal about it, to be quite frank. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's like, what it is, actually. People have have the views, but they don't necessarily vocalise them. In the, they, don't, yeah. they don't march down streets in the same way. Brexit brought that out a bit, didn't it? Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it did. It definitely did. But yeah, going back to the original point, I think Keir Starmer could get elected um, as yeah. leader. And I sincerely hope he does, because, I, you know, a performing monkey would be better than Boris... <laughs> I just have to Johnson, say, I just have to give my like one Keir Stamas story, uh, because um, when I applied for my partnership visa with my boyfriend, and it was rejected by the home office, we were advised to write to our MP, who is Keir Stamer. And it was right in the middle of the general election. It was like in December. And we were like, we could write to him. There's probably no way he'll get back to us because he's busy. And uh, he finally wrote to us like, a month later being like, I'm terribly sorry. I don't know how I missed your mail. Which first of all is the most British thing because he went through the general election and the labor election. He he was busy. (laughs) And, uh, but he wrote to Tom and he's like, I'm terribly sorry that you guys are going through this. I did a quick Google of your girlfriend and it looks like she's still working. So I'm sure it's resolved. However, if you ever need my help, please reach out again. So he's Googled me. We're like pals, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Tories are actually very frightened on it. It took a, a world calamity to give the Labour Party a chance of winning an election. I never thought they'd have a chance to 10 years, but they do stand a chance now, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I suppose that's why so many lawyers go into politics, isn't it? Because they're so good at debates you know yeah it kind of really shows in the house of commons doesn't it that if yeah. you're calm and articulate you sort of won 85 percent of the battle really mm. when you're talking about joe how you mentioned pr is important in politics as well like Starmer looks like a leader like the last election between boris and corbyn it, they look like cartoon characters. Like they, and the way they debate is just not sophisticated. Abigailia, isn't this a problem though? That that perception that leaders have to look a certain way is an issue because you'll end up in the main with white men of a certain age, won't you? Well, I mean, that's. I mean, uh, George W. Bush was the president everyone wanted to get a beer with. Like, it was just the fact that he was kind of, like, folksy and chilled that a lot of people voted for him, not realizing that he's a war criminal. 
and like same with <laughs> he does seem same. like an intellectual heavyweight now though doesn't oh, he? oh yeah right. and yeah. by the way i did read a very interesting piece about donald trump senior who seems like the worst person in the world and essentially <laughs> abused his children and that's what donald donald came out of that and then i was reading about Ghislaine maxwell and how while you can't excuse her behavior for one minute robert maxwell was the biggest see you next Tuesday there's ever been. And oh, really? These things don't happen by accident. That's the point, really. But, you know, today, I mean, sorry, that, uh, that today, the, the lead singer of Kasabian is in oh, court. Oh, yeah. Is he not? And yeah. yesterday they put out a statement, the band, saying, oh, he's had to leave and he's got personal issues. And I read it and I thought, oh, yeah, poor Tom Meehan. He's got personal issues. His issues is he's got done for assault of his girlfriend. Yeah, because oh, he just happened to be filming it. Yeah, it was on CCTV. And, oh. and she didn't want to press charges, but the police did because they had film of it. I always thought they were shit, that band. <laughs> <laughs> I never liked them. But I, I didn't either. I, I, that statement they made yesterday and then... To elicit some sort of sympathy for the fire. Oh, lots of people made a sort of a wished him well on the internet and stuff, didn't they? And had to tell yeah. Oh, really? Today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? the, way, the way they phrase it, you thought, well, he must have mental problems. And if that's the case, yeah. you should have a go. No. He's got misogyny problems is what he's got. And the thing is, I've been watching I May Destroy You, right? Which is one of the most harrowing and brilliant things I've watched recently. It's, it's a bit much. And I've been getting quite upset thinking about it. Has anyone seen this, by the way? Yeah, I, I watched it. And, did, uh, did it upset you? It must have upset you. Um, I wouldn't say it upset me, no. I, I mean, I think having, like when I was a psychiatric nurse uh, back in the 1980s, and, and I worked all the way through the Brixton riots, there were some terrible things going on, uh, you know, um, truly awful things. So I think that kind of nothing really surprises no. me. Um, and I find that quite an, an interesting show to watch because I was, I was talking to some friends about it the other day. And I think one of the things with it, which is quite a brave thing to do, I, I think, is that a lot of characters in that show are not particularly likeable. No. Do you know what I mean? So you no. don't think, oh, how could such an awful thing happen to such a lovely, kind person that helps out at brownies and gives cakes out to everyone? Because yeah. they're all kind of quite sort of, in a way, they're quite selfish oh, yeah. um, and sort of into themselves kind of people. And, and I find that side of it very interesting to watch. I'm not surprised by any of it, you know. Um, I, I think, well, I don't think most women would be in a way. We would just think, oh, yeah, you know, that's been going on for years. And at least it's getting a bit better with the, the Me Too movement. But yes. the thing that worries me about that is that women's issues only have a relatively short shelf life. And then what happens is that men get pissed off with them because it's like group nagging. And I can just feel that happening with Me Too, really? that people are sort of starting to go, oh, Christ, not someone else going on about Me Too. And, and I don't know how how you get round that, really. And um, uh, we just kind of need to keep it going. Yeah. Well, the level of domestic violence has, has, has kind of exploded during lockdown. Because of, yeah. Yeah, yeah because of this very thing. 
And, and I think by the time you might find now the football's come back on, it's dropped a bit. But, you know, <laughs> and all these things are kind of intimately related, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe I just, I started thinking about it again, this, this young woman in I May Destroy You. She's, you know, just living her life and doing what she's doing. And it just sort of upset me that thinking the shit that women have to go through. Well, blokes never have to think about any of this. Never, ever. I mean, I've been scared of other stuff, but, you know, I, I, that's something that I don't even have to deal with. And it, I think it just hit me again. I, mean, I think I've been in lockdown a bit too long. To be, no, yeah. to be honest, though, I think it's good if it had that effect on you, you know. Yeah. And it probably needs to have that. Your problem is you're the wrong person, um, you know, for it to have an effect on, because I would rather it had an effect on someone that was horrible and dangerous. And I've never put you in that category, Ian. <laughs> Thank you. So, you well. know, it's like sometimes you're, you're sort of getting to the wrong people who are already kind of sympathetic and have yeah. respect for women. You want to show it to a lot of people who don't, who may not have quite the same reaction to it. Mm. Half time at the football, they should play it. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> I'd like to be there. Yeah. But like what is not being talked about is what everyone's idea of sexual assault and misconduct is and what it actually is. So like we think of it as like a guy in a coat coming at a lady in an alley, taking her down in some way, where it's really just a fucking grate on your face of every day of like someone just saying something inappropriate this one time and then another one saying something inappropriate. And then, you know, you're you're drunk at a bar and a guy comes on to you, but you're you're told to just like chill out. What what needs to happen, I think, in both of these camps right now of of justice for for people and victims and moving forward is that we start asking how we can make changes in our own actions to make life better for other people and until people are willing to do that it's very likely that they'll just roll their eyes and be like oh another story it's like these stories will stop when we all adjust our behavior in life and that's what, that is why these stories are being told right now, is to hopefully, so we all take a real look at how we're doing things and then start to do them a different way. Anyway, Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than it was. Things mm. are better. And, and the reason they're better um, and they, they seem worse is because everything's so much more open than it used to be. So in kind of huge areas like... Um, like sexism and racism and, and um, you know, the existence of, of paedophiles and all the real horror stories in society. We, we have to kind of go through this finding out more before we can sort it out. And I think that's what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. We're, we're finding out more. And that's why it seems so horrifying, because it is horrifying. Mm. But you've got to go through that um, to sort it out. So I am optimistic as opposed to pessimistic anyway football's just about to come on so uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's an ending isn't it simon <laughs> thank you good night so that's it from episode 23 the birthday show 
There's one more special event you should know about. Next week, four of our Edge team are meeting at the actual comedy store to record a version of The Edge in front of a Zoom audience. We're pretty excited about it, as we're sure it will feel a lot like doing live comedy again. Tickets to watch are available from thecomedystorelive.co.uk and there is no fixed price, you just pay whatever you can as long as it's over £2. If you'd like to be in our Zoom front row, then send us an email at london at thecomedystore.co.uk. This one promises to be a lot of fun. But for today, you have been listening to John Connor, Ian Stone and Abigail Shimon. And very special thank you to Joe Brand for making this a very special birthday episode. We'll see you next week.